Do you want to do more to make an impact? How we serve others and our world is how we pay our rent for being here. So get ready to learn how you can make a difference by simply choosing to live and lead with a socially conscious mindset. In this episode of Passion for Impact, I get to have a conversation with Justin Goodhue, CEO of Trellis. Now, trellis.org powers global collective impact via virtual event ticketing, donation campaigns, silent auctions, and yes, in-person events. Trellis supports charitable organizations, allowing them to raise 25% more while saving time through its simple and easy to use platform. It's so simple, it's genius, and a powerful example of tech for good. Ready to be inspired? Ready to take action on your passion? I am, let's do it. This is the Passion for Impact podcast with speaker, trainer, and socially conscious advocate, Trisha Miltimore. Thank you for joining in. This is the Passion for Impact podcast, where we have one clear goal to educate, empower, and elevate social consciousness in people, business, and teams. Be sure to subscribe to receive links to featured companies, people, and offers. To subscribe, visit www.passionigniter.ca forward slash podcast. Justin Goodhue is my guest today. Justin is the founder of Trellis.org, a social enterprise technology company out of Kelowna, BC, Canada, making it easier for groups to fundraise through campaigns, events, raffles, and auctions. He's also a serial entrepreneur, starting his first company out of the University of British Columbia that took him to a technology incubator in the Silicon Valley. Justin and his teams have built technology for Fortune 100 companies to local startups, but is now focused on using his business and technology as a force for good. Talk about passion for impact. He's now living in Kelowna, BC, Canada with his wife and two pups. Justin spends as much time as he can at Big White, which is a mountain here in Kelowna, and mountain biking and snowboarding. So Justin, you multi-talented man, welcome to the show. Thanks, Trisha. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am excited to have you here because I see the impact your company is making, and I really want to dive in for our listeners into your story. But before I get to that... Tell us all about Trellis, what it is, and how it does make a difference. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, Trellis.org, it's a software platform to help charities raise more money. Our mission is to empower global collective impact. And those four words took us two years to figure out. Uh, but those four words are why we get out of bed every day and do what we do at Trellis. And uh, for, for uh, the simple terms, Trellis is basically Eventbrite for charities so events, campaigns, anything that a charity needs to drive revenue into their company, uh, we want to help them and so that they can do more good with what they're doing. Right. It's kind of just, it's so simple. It's genius. I, I love that because you're just doing something that people are already doing, but adding a philanthropic feel to it. Exactly. You describe yourself as entrepreneurial, caring, a dreamer, stubborn, and adventurous. So Tell me about the stubborn part. I want to know about that part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the stubborn part, um, if you're trying to do something that uh, not many people are doing, you have to be a little stubborn. You have to be willing to go against the grain. You have to know when you're being too stubborn as well, which is something I struggle with a little bit. But being stubborn allows me to persevere through. When you start a new business, everyone's 
kind of looking at you saying, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Uh, this is, you know, there's already these softwares out here. What, what makes yours different? When you're starting out, you don't really have those answers and you kind of just have to keep your mouth shut and, and trudge on. And, uh, and then slowly but surely you start developing what's different and you start developing your customers and how you help them. And you start building a brand and a company around that. But it takes a lot of uh, perseverance and, and quite frankly, stubbornness to, to make that happen. Yeah, a level of tenacity is required in the entrepreneurial world, isn't it? Oh, oh my gosh. It's just, yeah, it's a roller coaster, but it's so fun. Uh, where did you come up with the idea of Trellis? Honestly, uh, I was building software for some pretty big companies. One of them was an oil and gas company, actually. Didn't really feel that much passion towards it. It wasn't my values as well. But at the time, I was learning a ton. We were getting bigger and bigger customers and learning how to build a team, build software, manage all of those things uh, at, at my age was something that I was excited about. But then I started, you know, after two or three years of that, I started questioning why I was doing it. And I didn't have an answer. It was just silence. After a lot of time reflecting, I told my partners that I was going to leave. And so I exited that company. It was called Business Innovations. And we built apps for anyone who wanted an app built. But it was mostly to make people's lives better. So we helped you know, we helped uh, a company build an app to make it easier to order popcorn at a stadium, which was fun, but it just wasn't, it didn't give me that why, it didn't give me that excitement to, to really start tackling a lot of these problems we see day to day. So with Trellis, I just basically got on a plane, I traveled across Canada and asked charities what their problems were. And that's how Trellis was born. Wow. So from just talking with them, the idea kind of just grew in your own mind and then you just went forward with it? Exactly. I think uh, a business needs to be born from a problem and you either have the domain knowledge and the industry knowledge and you can solve your own problem or you have to go and find a problem that's worthwhile solving. And I knew the charity industry was a worthwhile place to spend my time. Um, I know that I only have so long on this earth and I want to make it impactful and meaningful. So I just went and started talking to charities. I went to a bunch of conferences, uh, put up a banner and saw if they thought, asked if they liked it, if they liked what I was offering. And they told me what they liked and didn't like. And then I adjusted from there. I asked them what their problems were on a day to day. I asked different types of customers and it all, it all came down to uh, revenue generation and they need more revenue generation. They need it more efficiently. Uh, and that's something I could help them with. So you had this idea, you're like, okay, I can, I can connect these dots and solve this problem. And then what was your next step? Just, you just started programming? No, not at all. Do not start coding, building, doing anything until you have a customer. So once I started talking to these individuals about their problems, you know, I chatted with about a hundred, I interviewed about 25 to 30 in depth, you know, about 10 of them I kept in touch with and kept chatting with, and they became my first customers. So the local United Way here, uh, the Central Okanagan Hospice Association, were one of the first two customers we had, and they were so helpful and formative in our learning about what problems they had, but then they also helped us along the way. So what we did before we even started coding is finding those, those people that wanted to work with you to solve that problem, and then you know building the final solution that would make them happy, and then getting them to sign off on it and agree to pay. Because if they're not going to pay you, then that means it's not valuable enough for them. So they might be saying it's a problem, but they're not willing to pay for it. So it's not a big enough problem. So before you write a line of code or build anything, you need to make sure you have the proper validation. I've seen way too many people build things in their basement and not talk to customers. And it's, it's hard to watch. 
Yeah, probably painful for you. I find yeah. this really fascinating. I I don't know anything about the tech world, but I do know that there's many people listening to the show who probably have a seed of an idea in their own mind how they can make an impact via technology. Often we talk to companies that are making products or even service companies, but the technology aspect I find really fascinating because it does impact so many people and you have such reach with it. So I think this is great advice. Any other advice you have for people who have an idea in their mind about, you know, I, th- I think I have an app for that. Any other advice for them? Yeah. The, the one piece of advice, if you think you have an idea and technology can solve it, go for it, first of all, because it's a lot of fun. Uh, second of all, I would definitely think about how you can try and solve that problem or test it out with the solutions that are already exist. So for example, Trellis at the start was actually just based on a, like a WordPress. Basically, we just built a custom page for a customer on WordPress. So it, was, it wasn't even our own platform to start. So we use that. Uh, if you're trying to build a community, maybe start with a Facebook group and just build that group on Facebook, right? So, you know, if you want to do e-commerce, start a Shopify store. It's like 14 bucks a month. and You can have a full store ready and set up to go. So I think, you know, five to 10 hours of work and, you know, 10 to $50, you should be able to test out your idea and find out if it's worth pursuing. Okay. Very cool. So you created Trellis, you worked with clients or they weren't clients at the time, but partners who then became your clients, which is really key. What, you know, when you're working with other companies now at this point that you've built this beautiful platform that so many people are using, when a company comes to you and says, how can we use this to make a difference? I'm thinking of like all kinds of companies that could really use your platform in in different ways, especially now with COVID and all the virtual aspects. How do you start with companies? Because I know other people listening to this podcast are leaders in companies who are like, okay, how could I integrate this? Yeah, that's a great question. I think so. The companies that come to us are organizations. They're usually charitable organizations. So uh, if you're a charity specifically, or you want to support a charity, so you're a business or an individual that wants to champion a cause, you can go to Trellis and sign up and start building out a fundraiser. And what we we look at it is fundraisers can be a lot of different things. So they don't have to be events. They don't have to be campaigns. They could be silent auctions. They could be crowdfunding campaigns. We have an excellent crowdfunding campaign going on right now in Ontario for a food hub. And they're trying to become more sustainable. They're trying to raise enough money to buy a freezer that they can drive a forklift into so they can freeze a bunch of the food if they get too much of it. And that increases their sustainability by almost 40%. So the, uh, the creativity on our platform is endless and that's exciting. You know, you're onto something when your customers are building different things on your platform that you didn't even expect. And so I'm actually excited to see what other people have. So we have, I mean, we have webinars every week. Uh, you can come and check it out and learn about all the things that our customers do. Um, but we'd also love to learn about your problems and see if we can solve it with our solution. Oh, I love that. The collaboration and innovation combined together. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. What was the hardest part of, you know, moving forward with your vision with Trellis? Oh, there are so many hard parts. Honestly, the the most exciting and hardest part is making sure that you're always making an impact. I don't want to wake up, Trisha, in, in a year, two years, 10 years down the line after working this hard and not know that what I'm doing makes a difference, like an actual difference. So when I talk about empowering global collective impact, that was one of the hardest and most fulfilling things we ever did. Uh, We worked with uh, actually a company called uh, Purple, Purposeful People, and they helped us come up with our mission and our vision because 
um, you know, making money and having that business model. And, you know, we're, we're a SaaS company, software as a service. It's very well documented on what you need to do and what metrics matter if you go online, how to get investment, how to grow your company, uh, because it's, um, you know, it's in our capitalistic society and it's, it's, it's one of those ways that you can be very successful. But to develop a mission that hits both your financial objectives and your impact objectives at the same time uh, is very challenging. And it's probably what a lot of social entrepreneurs struggle with is that balance. Um, and someone much smarter than me once told me, you know, you know, you're doing the right thing when you can make one decision and it's the best for the financials of the company, but also for the impact of the company. So when we try and empower global collective impact, what we're trying to do is power the revenue generation of these charities so they can go create more impact and we're empowering it. We're not powering it. We are empowering it with EM at the front because we know that we can't do it without them. It is, it is just a tool. They're the ones that are doing it. So we're always listening to them and what they need. And the collective piece is also really exciting because we're doing it together. It's you, it's, it's, uh, it's everyone listening who wants to support a charity. We need to come together to solve these problems and it's about impact, long-term sustainable impact. So sorry, I get onto a big soapbox on this part because I love it and I'm really passionate about it, but it took two years to develop that. And it was uh, the hardest part, but the most rewarding for sure. A bit of a process, right? Yes. With your own personal well-being, I know an, an, being an entrepreneur is like you said, roller coaster up and down. You know, you, I'm sure if you sat down with yourself two years ago, three years ago, you'd be able to hold your hand and say all kinds of inspiring things. How do you maintain that personal health and wellness? Because you are in an industry where you're giving so much and you're developing and you're growing a business, which is right there, not very easy. Share with us kind of your ways of managing your health and wellness. Oh, it's that's such a hard thing to do, Trisha. Um, I, mm. I, I struggle with it a lot, to be honest. With the, the mindset of an entrepreneur, the mindset I have, I find sometimes it's all in on one thing, which means a lot of other things get left behind and balance is really challenging. So, I mean, step one is uh, if you're lucky enough to find a partner uh, for your life that wants to support you and, and is accepting and is patient. Uh, and as long as you're committed to growing, I think that's huge. So, I mean, my wife is one of the main reasons and my family is so supportive of what I do and I couldn't do it without them. I think that's the first thing and I can't take that for granted at all. And then, and then after that, it's trying to find other ways to, to try and get some balance um, for the people in your life that you love the most and for your business as well, because you need to be the best person for your business. So for me to get balance, I'm actually working with a coach now, a life coach, and I've never done it before. It's the best thing ever. I just started about three months ago with COVID. It got pretty bad there for a bit. It was just tough on everyone, right? I think everyone has their own mm -hmm. story of how it was tough. And I had one too. And so I got a coach and it's kind of a life coach, really, a little business, mostly life, uh, just checks in once a week, talks about things, trying to improve everything, reading, meditating, all of that stuff, set really easy, realistic goals on focusing on balance. But this coach has been really helpful. So I'd highly recommend if you are struggling with balance and you're an entrepreneur and you want to get some help, um, I think calling in a coach is the best thing you could do. Oh, I agree, because there's so much that you don't realize you're doing or aren't aware of that someone from the outside looking in can offer some perspective with. Oh yeah. And it's, it, it's, it sounds so silly. And I, I feel silly a lot when I'm talking to my coach, cause it's, you know, I'm just trying to wake up a little bit earlier or, you know, do five to 10 minutes of meditation. Like it's really simple stuff, Trisha, but I still struggle with it. And, but having the coach uh, just to keep me on track and kind of encourage me and also call me out as well when needed 
uh, is mm-hmm. it's really helpful. Oh, good for you. That is awesome. Okay, so tip there would be to find someone that you can work with who's going to help you stay accountable to the well-being that you want to set for yourself. Uh, yeah, being an entrepreneur is not easy. Is there one daily habit? Because I believe in my philosophy and my coaching practice is it's the daily habits that create the overall experience. Is there one daily habit that you've altered or tweaked that has really made an impact on your life experience? Oof. I need to get outside uh, by myself. It, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's a daily habit. It's probably about three times a week. I don't realize how much processing I need to do until I get outside by myself without my technology. And then I just start thinking and crunching. So I go on at least an hour to two hour hike, try and go every other day if I can just to do that. So that for me, if, if I don't do that for three or four days, I can tell I can't sleep. Wow. I need that thinking. So getting centered through nature. So duly noted for everyone, get out in nature, especially now with COVID and then all the changes that's for, you know, caused for us. We'll talk about that in just a little bit, because I do have some questions around that. But before we get there, let me ask you this. What is your overall passion? I mean, there's trellis, but what's your overall overarching passion in your life and purpose? Wow. Throwing the big ones. Good thing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, My overall passion. I mean, I was really blessed growing up. I am a white male in this world. That uh, means you get a lot given to you, which I didn't realize for a long time. And then when I went to school and I started meeting a lot of different people from all over the world and, and different backgrounds and trying to just get a glimpse of their lived experience and everything else, what I started to realize is how lucky I was to have the family I did, to live in the place I did. And I really genuinely, as cheesy as it sounds, want to make sure I I leave the world a better place because if I don't, then I don't think we're we're going to be doing too well uh, as a society because I was given every every privilege and uh, opportunity under the sun, which is just amazing. So what I'm trying to do now is is bring together people that also believe in that, that that want to make a difference, and that think that they can to come together and and bring it around uh, a mission and vision. And this Empower Global Collective Impact is is goes way beyond Trellis, which is so exciting. Goes way beyond our team. Goes way beyond you know, our, our company, uh, Kelowna, Canada. So for me, I want to be in the social enterprise space. I finally found it. I've been, you know, working for 10 years in the technology space. I've never really felt at home. And that's why I kept switching. I'm never leaving the social impact space. So I think what I'm doing right now is, is what I want to be doing in some form for the rest of my life. I love that. And it's just so inspiring to hear someone so connected with their social enterprise vision and pursuing it. And a big part of what you're doing as well is with your team. You mentioned your team. So how do you maintain, because again, for people listening, many of them have teams that work underneath them and they're all trying to make a, working either in a social enterprise or trying to make some kind of impact themselves. How do you, how do you nurture the seeds of the impact you're creating with your team consistently? How do you care for that culture? Great question. A team is the most important. It's also the hardest part. Uh, you know, if you want to get somewhere fast, do it yourself. If you want to get uh, somewhere uh, that's, you know, a lot more audacious and innovative and, and all the above, then you need a team and you need a really good committed team to do that. And um, like, I don't think I first, I don't consider my team to work underneath me. If anything, like I, I try and lift them up. They're the experts in everything they do. So I think really respecting them and their opinion, but also getting them the help and the mentorship when needed um, that I can't give them because I don't know everything. I don't know much at all, but I know people and when they need help. 
And so that's mm-hmm. one thing. But I think uh, the main piece that I would I would want people, the listeners to really know is, is when you're building your company and you're developing your vision and your mission. And I just keep going back to that because it's the most important, like our team developed this together. We had workshops, uh, we spent hours working on this part and yeah, on one side, it was a lot of money that was spent towards mission vision, not revenue driving. But at the same point, now my team is completely behind what we're doing. They get so excited when a new charity comes on board and starts creating impact on, uh, using our platform they are coming to us and they're thinking of ideas of how to showcase impact more. And they're, they're correcting their friends and their family on, you know, impact versus just doing good and things like that. And it's so great to see because we're creating all of these individuals that are then going to leapfrog within this company or to other companies with that mentality. So that, I mean, I'm getting chills right now. It's so exciting to, to watch that that happen. But I think it's it's really getting the buy-in. And to get buy-in, you need them to go through the same process you did. So you need to, to bring them along. Even though you might know what the answer is, you need to let them get there. You can't tell them they won't be bought in. They need to figure it out themselves. And I think it starts that mission vision. Then that means it cascades down from there to all the other things. Wow. You know, I get chills too, because when you talk about your leadership uh, and that philosophy that yes, they may be able to use or they should, they will be able to use this mindset of social enterprise and giving back and impact in the, our own company, but then also to bring that to other companies like that to me is the cornerstone of true leadership that you're, you're empowering people, not just for when they're with you, but for their, for them as people, wherever they go. Oh yeah. It's, it's a human to human business, right? We try and treat our customers like humans and our, our, you know, our employees are the same. And when you, when you peel off all the layers, you know, they have hopes and dreams and they're not, they're not your company. No offense, right? They're not my company. They want to, they want to do something at this time that is with Trellis, but that might change. And we want to know, and we want to have an open conversation about that. And also your company grows and changes stages and you need different people at different times. So that, that does adjust. But no matter um, how someone leaves our company, we always want them to springboard. That's one of our big goals. And it's really exciting when we see that happen. That's very cool. Good for you. So COVID has happened. It has, you know, impacted everyone in different ways. <laughs> how has it impacted your company? Um, yeah, that was, uh, March 12th was, uh, was a sad day or March 14th. One of those days was, uh, it was tough. We, I mean, we were powering all in-person events. We were a startup. We were, we're in the crunch time right now. It's right before you get to break even. It's the hardest time. It's where you're crossing the chasm. Look up that book if you're interested. Um, and it's, it's one of the hardest times and we were right there and then COVID happened and all our customers uh, we had to refund all our customers, uh, everyone. We are literally our revenue looked like a cliff if you looked at the graph. Um, so we, our whole team stayed in that weekend and we worked and we were one of the first softwares to turn around a virtual option. Uh, we were one of the first ones to dive in and actually someone uh, in this community, Kelowna named Drew Vincent, he came to us and said, hey, I want to do this stay at home gala where people stay at home and they jump on Zoom and we do a fundraiser and people talk, they do entertainment, they had a bartender, they had magician, they had uh, singers, they had speakers. It was a really neat event. And they did that in seven days. So, you know, we're now March 28th or something like that. We've run our first virtual event already. 
and it went so well. It was only 25K raised, but 25K raised in seven days off of $20 donations. And what we said is, let's, let's try and take this national. Why not? Let's go for it. So what happened is I spent, I, I've had, I built some relationships with the Community Foundations of Canada. So I, I called up the CEO of the Community Foundations of Canada, Andrew, and I said, uh, we have this event. It worked really well. Can you push this out to your community foundations across Canada? And he introduced me to Dana and JP on their team, and they, they loved it. They were so excited. They pushed it out, and people just started jumping on board, jumping on board, jumping on board. Four weeks later, we uh, raised over $500,000 uh, doing a virtual event across Canada with over 5,000 people tuning in, 5,000 households. And we were developing a national broadcast, which I've never been in TV or anything before in my life, uh, with like Haley Wickenheiser and Lane Merrifield from Dragon's Den and the Hunter Brothers and a ton of other individuals that, it was crazy. It was the most uh, uh, roller coaster experience of entrepreneurism I've ever had in six weeks. And I don't want to go through it again anytime soon, but it was, uh, <laughs> it, was it was exciting. And that's kind of kind of what COVID affected. And then that roller coaster of, oh, my gosh, we lost all our customers. And then realizing, oh, my gosh, all these doors that were never open are now wide open because everyone's open to whatever. So it was like we lost all of our customers we've been going for. But then we gained this whole new customer set. Um, and it was really exciting. God, that is amazing. Five, you said five hundred thousand dollars raised, right? Yeah, over twenty-two communities across Canada. So, wow. like Whistler all the way to a bunch in Ontario, some in the Atlantic provinces. It was, it was incredible, and it was. And they all we made like a little national segment, but then they all did their own local segment, and everyone loved the local segment more. And it just brought everyone together because that was the first of its kind. Um, and it was, yeah, it was cool. That's it's so amazing. I am so excited you're on the show because you just are embody passion for impact on so many levels. I want to mention to everyone listening that if you want to do your own host, your own virtual gala, there's information at trellis.org. It's right on the homepage. You can just read more about that. There's so many resources on your website for anyone who's interested in making an impact uh, virtually, non-virtually. So I just invite everyone to go there, trellis.org, see it for yourself, see what innovation looks like, collaboration looks like. And I, I'm just so inspired. I can't believe that. Like within seven days, you had an event that raised 25,000 locally, which is right there is amazing. And then to continue on, if you could go back in time to the week after, you know, the day, <laughs> what would you, if you were in front of your team? Well, I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but Justin, you're pretty inspiring. So I think you're okay with this. What would you say to your team? Okay, moving, uh, knowing what you know, like, okay, coming up, this is what's going to happen. Here's my advice to all of us, all of you. What would you say? I think, so I have a young team and uh, like myself, I haven't experienced a recession yet. I started university in 2008. So, um, and a lot of my team hasn't, there's probably two or three that have, most haven't. And the businesses that come out of a recession are the ones that win and the businesses that are focused on what people need at that time are the ones that uh that win and what i would tell my team is this is going to be tough you're going to feel it but these are the stories and these are the things you're going to remember for the rest of your life um so and this is where you get your experience and uh, and also the fact that COVID's not going away anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> at the time we were doing like, oh yeah, like three months, four months. And then I think like two weeks into COVID, we realized that it was going to be a lot longer than that. Isn't that true? I feel, yeah, as a speaker and a trainer, it was a very similar story. Everything kind of dropped off and then I was like, ah, oh, six months, right? But um, yeah, obviously the new normal, they were actually serious about that. Yeah. So you also mentioned in your um, description of yourself that you're carrying a dreamer. We talked about the stubborn part, some adventure in there as well. Of course, entrepreneurial. What's up next for you? Like what, what's, what's around the corner for Justin? Um, what's exciting for myself and, and my team is we, we started this to, to really move the needle. And right now we're, we're, we're building a software that, that, uh, we think, and a lot of our customers think is better than, than the competition out there. We're helping them raise more money through events and campaigns and digital raffles and auctions and all this stuff. However, we want to create more sustainable impact and sustainable impact means sustainable revenue models. Right. And a, a sustainable revenue model is getting a consistent fundraiser going. And, and that's what we're helping. But at some point, we want charities to stop just asking for money, but also creating other value. Right. So we're working um, the food hub I mentioned. I'm really excited about that one because they're trying to raise money to become more sustainable. They're like, hey, if you can give us forty thousand dollars for this freezer, then we can go serve a ton more people for as long as the freezer lasts, you know? And so really focusing on that sustainability piece is really key. So we're trying to build in products like Kickstarter, for example, basically uh, similar, but it's for social enterprises and charities. So charities can stop having 100% of their revenue or a big chunk of their revenue based on fundraising, which is just asking for money, but maybe it's they're also giving value back. For example, uh, we're working with uh, a group right now that wants to do, um, you know, some bike rentals, right? So they want to do bike rentals and they, they run a, an, an experience where you can take, uh, they take kids out mountain biking. So the kids could actually work renting out the bikes and then all that profit could go to then helping help more kids learn how to mountain bike. Oh, right? okay. So it's yeah. trying to help, um, I guess, spark social enterprises within charities, right? So then charities get a taste for what it's like to get sustainable revenue, not only, uh, just from, from, from fundraising. Does that make sense? That totally makes sense. So in some ways you're consulting with these charitable organizations to find out what kind of value they can bring to people and create a social enterprise on their own end. Yeah. And it's really just highlighting their peers, right? We're, we're not the experts. We listen and we create the software to make it easy, but, and then we just highlight the peers. So we're working on a case study with this uh, food hub I keep talking about. And we're just, uh, we saw there's a charity selling trees right now. Eco Ottawa, I think is selling trees on our platform. And so they're, they're making money by selling a product, but all the profits are going back to their um, eco charity. Okay. So this is part of the e-commerce um, aspect of, on your website here, it talks about silent auctions and donation pages, but also e-commerce. Correct. Oh, Okay. So you could sway, sell sway, clothing, other items, raise money for your cause. Yeah, yeah. And it's trying to do that, yeah, just exactly in a way that's not just asking for a donation or, or even just a mm -hmm. ticket sale, right? So it's uh, really trying to move them because I think in the future, we're, we're going to see less businesses making money and donating and more businesses partnering with charities to create uh, other projects that can create a lot more impact. And we want to be on the forefront of that moving all of those organizations forward, because I think charities and businesses at some point will meet in the middle, which will be a world that I want to live in. 
Yes, I love that. Okay, that's very cool. So it is trellis.org for anyone who wants just more information on the platform and perhaps even how you can integrate it into your own organization, your charity, and just to see the cool stuff that's happening over there. Is there any other uh, resources you want me to put out there or share with anyone that they can jump on to get more information? I would just recommend reading all about the the different customers and case studies uh, and jumping on a call if you can. We do them every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They're only half an hour. And uh, if you get bored, you can just leave, uh, which is the best part. <laughs> we keep everyone there the whole time, so uh, which is really good. So if you're a charity or you're a business that wants to create some more impact and, and help a cause, uh, we can also connect you with a charity and you can start raising money in whatever way you think is best. Oh, very cool. And you have uh, some special COVID relief pricing right now. Want to share with us what that is? Yeah, we do. So essentially, uh, we are on 2.45%. So it's essentially just the credit card transaction right now. We want to make sure all the money goes back to your charity. Um, so that's what we're doing uh, with, with COVID relief. And we've actually extended that all the way to the end of the year. Uh, and then our regular pricing won't kick back in until January 1st. Oh, wow. Okay. So just continuing to do your part above and beyond. What is the best wisdom as we wrap this really inspiring conversation? Again, I just want to thank you for your time. I know you're so busy, but I'm just so grateful you're here to share your experience. What is the best wisdom that you have ever received? The best wisdom I have ever received. Oh, that's a great question. Hmm. The, the wisdom that I always remember is just start and start small because things can compound really quickly. And if you're an entrepreneur, uh, delayed gratification is a real thing, uh, but it's worth it. And just because our society is all about instant gratification, that doesn't really mean that you have to subscribe to that. And doing something that's hard, um, that tests you is worth every moment. So just start and, and you can start small. I think that's what I learned through, uh, I volunteer and I've helped run startup weekends here, which if you uh, haven't seen that and you're thinking about starting something, I would highly recommend attending one of those. It's all about just getting started and getting started with something small uh, and testing out whatever that is, because that's all the spark you need to get the ball rolling uh, and start your journey. And that is amazing entrepreneurial and life wisdom. So Justin Goodhue, uh, CEO of Trellis.org, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. If you love learning how to live and lead in a conscious and fulfilling way and find this show inspiring, please share with your friends, rate and review this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, cast your vote, make your impact one socially conscious choice at a time. Thank you for listening to the Passion for Impact podcast. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash podcast to subscribe for episode notes, links and special offers from show guests. Cast your vote. Make your impact. One socially conscious choice at a time.